week we celebrated the fact that with our new screens, the cross has once again become central to the testimony of our church's sanctuary. So grateful that when people enter the doors, the first thing they'll see is the image of the cross. And every week as we worship, it will remind us of what Jesus revealed when he said in John 12, 32, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This morning, we thank God for the cross, for the Savior who became the perfect sacrifice. But as we prepare for Thanksgiving this year, we are even more grateful that the cross in our sanctuary is an empty cross. A symbol of the one who died for us, but it's also the symbol of the one who rose from the dead. We are thankful for the Lord of the empty cross. And on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, I want you to join me in rejoicing that we worship a Lord who lives and reigns today. That when we look at the cross, we don't think about a historic event that happened 2,000 years ago and we commemorate it through an image in our church. Instead, we recognize this is a symbol that reminds us that we are the children of a living Lord. That we belong to the one who defeated death and reclaimed life and opened the door of eternal life for all of the rest of us. And so on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, I want to invite you to join me in being grateful that we worship a God who lives and reigns today. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds us that the central message of the gospel is that Jesus died for us and he rose again. 1 Corinthians 15, 4 and 5, he makes it so plain. He says, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. First of all, what does that mean? Paul is saying, I delivered unto you as the most important thing, that Christ died and that he rose again according to the Scriptures. Corinthians boldly declares, nothing is more important than this central truth of the gospel. So the question this morning is, but what if there had never been an empty cross? What if the Savior gave his life on Calvary and that's where it ended? What if the crucifixion was all that had ever been told about the story of Jesus Christ? What if everything else in the Bible about Jesus is true, but not the story of victory over the cross? What if Jesus really was born in Bethlehem? What if Jesus really did grow up in Nazareth? What if Jesus really did preach God's Word, perform miracles, and change lives? What if he even died on the cross as a perfect sacrifice? But what if that were the end of the story? In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, the Bible gives us the answer. It says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. We are of all men most pitiful. If in this life only our hope in Christ exists, then how pitiful are we? What if the only hope you have is that you know the Lord in this life and then you die and discover that the end of his story is also the end of your story? And there's no hope beyond the grave. 
What if that were the truth? Then we would be pitiful people because we have no real hope and we have no real expectation. You see, if the story of Christ ended at the cross, then nothing else really matters. Everything was wasted unless there's a living Savior. You see, unless there's a living Savior, we have nothing to say. The Bible says it this way, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. If Christ is not risen, then all you're doing this morning is sitting in a sanctuary listening to a guy who may give you some devotional thoughts and may give you something inspirational that you can carry with you through the week. But in terms of real hope, lasting hope, eternal hope, there's nothing for him to say if Christ is not risen. All we could say is a holy man died a long time ago and he was a good example for the rest of us to follow the end. Apart from the reality of a living Jesus, there is nothing for us to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. Then we sing together, now thank we all our God and we recognize we really don't have anything to be thankful for. You know, we tend to think Thanksgiving is about family and food and material blessings, maybe football. And that's about all that we think about Thanksgiving, apart from a living Christ. The truth is, our real Thanksgiving is the hope we have in a living Christ. And that's the reason why, among all the religions of the world, only faith in Christ provides a way to become right with God. Today on Thanksgiving, we recognize through Christ Jesus, we have a real reason to be grateful to God. You know, any religion can tell you what to believe. Any religion can tell you how to live. Any religion can tell you what you have to do in order to appease your God. And I understand there are a lot of things that make one religion different from all the others around them, but there's one thing they all have in common. Despite different practices and different requirements and different ways to worship, no matter how different they are, every religion proclaims the same basic message. And this is the message. Be good, die anyway. Be good, die anyway, because there is no eternal hope beyond the grave. Not one of them can proclaim there is a Savior who sacrificed his life for lost people, then rose to life again to open the door to everlasting life. And this Thanksgiving Sunday, because I have a living faith, I have a sermon worth preaching. My preaching is not empty, not because of my preaching, but because of what Jesus has done. So I stand and proclaim there is a living Savior. He died, but he conquered death. The cross is empty. And because of the empty cross, uh, cross, I have a message to proclaim, a message no other faith can declare. Trust Christ. Live eternally. Rather than be good, die anyway, it is trust Christ. Live eternally. Through Jesus Christ, we have a hope that nothing else can provide we have a hope in a living Jesus who has conquered death hell and the grave what a story to share with the world but the first Corinthians has more to declare because it also says this unless there's a living Savior we have nothing to believe unless there is a living Savior 
We don't have anything to grasp. The Bible continues and it says this. If Christ is not risen and our preaching is empty, then your faith is also empty. Empty faith because believing, uh, empty faith is believing something because you wish it were true. You know, empty faith is like believing if you just wish hard enough and believe enough, you're bound to get a pony or a new car. If I just believe and wish hard enough, then I will get something I really want. But here's the thing. When it comes to eternal things, we don't need wishes. We need certainty. We need to know, to know that we know, to know that we know that we know that when we face eternity, we face it with confidence and hope because of the empty cross. We need to know there's someone we can absolutely be, uh, believe in and absolutely build our lives upon. Long ago, Isaiah referred to people who believed in false religions as those who carry the wood of their carved images and pray to a God who cannot save. Isaiah was mocking people by saying, you take a block of wood, you carve it into an idol, you do all the work yourself, and then once you finish building it, then you step back and go, oh, look, it's God. And you pick it up and you carry it with you wherever you go, but wherever you go with that piece of wood that you carved yourself, that you've chosen to trust, you recognize it can't do anything for you. You know why? Because it's a piece of wood. It was a piece of wood before you carved it. It was a piece of wood while you carved it. It's a piece of wood after you carved it. It's a piece of wood. And Isaiah stood back and said, I can't believe you people. I can't believe you people who take that piece of wood and turn it into something that you're going to put all of the weight of your hope and your life and your eternity upon. It's a piece of wood. Now, that sounds foolish for us to think about those people a long time ago, but we do the same thing in our world today. We put all of our trust in things that cannot save, like things you can hold, and you think, as long as I can hold this, my life has purpose, like status you can acquire, like claiming to be spiritual without being religious. You do all of these things, and you think, this gives my life meaning, but you know what? None of those things are capable of offering real hope. None of those things will last the test of time. That's why Isaiah issued a challenge. He said, look to me and be saved, that to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. Now, if that sounds like Philippians 2, it is. And Paul was making that same declaration that this is the risen Lord. And every knee shall bow to the risen Lord. And there'll be a time when everyone realizes those false idols just didn't work. And everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, our faith is based on an overcoming and exalted Christ. Paul's still not through. He also says this, And unless there is a living Savior, we are a people without hope. 2 Corinthians 15, 7 says this, unless Jesus is alive, you are still in your sins. Well, that's pretty stark, isn't it? You are still in 
your sins. What does that mean? That means you carry that weight with you everywhere you go. If your faith is not in a risen and living Christ, then you carry that weight and there's nothing you can do to put it down. Without a Christ who overcame the cross, nothing has changed between you and a holy God. Every time you failed, every sin you've committed, every time you've disappointed God, every time you knew right and did wrong, it separated you from God and condemned you to an eternity apart from him. And if there is no living Christ, you carry that weight. You carry that weight all your life long, and you carry that weight with you into eternity. And there's nothing you can do about it if there is no living Christ. If there is no empty cross. If there's not a living Lord and an abandoned cross, then I am doomed and you are doomed and the whole world is doomed without Christ and without hope. Happy Thanksgiving. No wonder Corinthians continues by saying, we're of all men most pitiable. If Christ's story ended on the cross, then we have placed our faith in a Savior who cannot save. And that's why it's important that we embrace the end of the story. See, the Bible has stated its case. If Christ is not the living Lord, we have nothing to say, nothing to believe, and we are lost without hope. But thank God that is not where the passage ends. Verse 19 is completed by verse 20. Where Paul says, but Christ is risen from the dead. If Christ is not risen, we're pitiful. If Christ is not risen, we're hopeless. If Christ is not risen, we're doomed. But Christ is risen from the dead. The cross is an empty cross. The Savior lives and reigns, and we are people of hope. No wonder Paul ends this chapter with a triumphant cry. He says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now happy Thanksgiving. This morning I stand before the cross, but not just any cross, an empty cross, and declare to you this Thanksgiving message. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us eternal hope. Thanks be to God who gives us confidence. Thanks be to God who makes it all work. Thanks be to God who wipes away my sin and your sin and everybody's sin. Thanks be to God who reached down to a crucified Christ and brought him to life again. Thanks be to God who gives us eternal hope. Thanks be to God. That's why Thanksgiving is more than just eating a plate full of food. Thanksgiving is more than just gathering around with people we love. Thanksgiving is more than enjoying things that we might love to enjoy on that particular holiday. Thanksgiving is about remembering what God has done for me and what God has done for you and that we worship the Lord of an empty cross because Christ is risen, risen indeed. 
I guess my question this morning is simply this. Do you have, have you experienced that victory? Do you have that confidence in Christ Jesus? This morning as you anticipate this coming Thursday, are you thinking about more than I wonder if we're going to have my favorite dishes to eat? I wonder if we're going to see my favorite relative. I wonder if we're going to be able to spend the day together with people that you love. Or this morning is your gratitude this. I am so grateful that the one who gave his life for me as a perfect sacrifice is also the one who lives and reigns and offers everlasting life to everybody who believes in him. Do you have that kind of personal faith in Jesus today? Because if not, before Thanksgiving Day comes, you need to make that a sure thing in your life. You need to know that you know that you know you've trusted Christ Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. In a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to be here at the front, and I would love to meet you here and introduce you to the one who loved you, gave himself for you, rose again, and lives eternally, and offers eternal hope to you if you place your faith in him. Or maybe you're here today and you know, I need to be part of a church that proclaims the Lord of the empty cross. And I think God's calling me to be part of First Baptist Church. And maybe today you want to come and bring your membership to this place. Or maybe God's dealing with you about something very specific in your life and you just need to come and make a, a, a recommitment to the Lord or you need to ask for special prayer. Is there something you need to do? We're going to stand. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. And as we sing, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. a good day in God's house. I'm glad we got to spend this time together and look forward to the celebration of Thanksgiving, recognizing it is a celebration of worship for the living Lord of the empty cross. 
I'm looking forward to seeing you back tonight for our 5 o'clock service because today is also a transformation day. By the time you get back tonight, we've got a group that's going to be gathered here all afternoon preparing this church for Christmas time, for our Christmas celebration. So by the time you get back tonight, everything's going to look beautiful. And I look forward to it. It's going to be a special time. So let's look forward to being together tonight. Let's pray together. And those of you who will be traveling at Thanksgiving, we pray for you. And we look forward to spending a wonderful time together. Yes. Speaking of transforming, we are going to have to take all of this out for people to get here to decorate. So if you're able-bodied and willing and you love Jesus, <laughs> we want to ask you to hang out here a minute and help us get the tables and the bells back to the bell room so the decorator committee can come in. So the Christmas trees can come in behind them. Okay. All right, let's bow together for prayer and then one final song. Father, we do thank you that you are the Lord of the empty cross. We thank you, Father, that we are not of all men most pitiful, that we are of all men most hopeful, most confident, most convinced that we know the one who opens the door to eternal life. And so our faith is in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I say, I say.